everyone and welcome to the Dr. Christian Hein podcast where we're living for preventative mental health, love and compassion. So glad you could join us. I'm Caroline Heim and here's Dr. Christian Heim. Hello. And today we continue our series reading Dr. Heim's book, Negotiating Diversity with Insights from Science and Clinical Psychiatry. In today's episode, we promised you we would talk about the most challenging part of negotiating diversity with those you are really close to. But first, so we can understand some of the ways to negotiate problematic relationships, we're going to talk about children and friendship. If you like these podcasts, please subscribe, spread the word and recommend them to others. As usual, I'm going to be interrupting and asking Dr. Heim some questions. Chapter five, putting it together where it counts, handling diversity with close people. Why can't we just play together nicely? Zach, five-year-old budding anthropologist. Children want to play. Like children, we want to play. But no, someone doesn't like the rules, someone doesn't like the other kids, someone wants to pick up their ball and go home, someone's crying, and none can find the tissues. How are we going to get out of this mess so we can play nicely? Young children know very little about our dog-eat-dog, highly competitive, hyper-individualistic society. They really do just want to play well together. They care little about skin colour, freckles, gender expression or sexual expression. As a young child, if you want to play and your mother says you're allowed to, you're in. So what goes wrong? As children grow older, they become more aware of the power of including or excluding others. They become focused on who's better, who's smarter and who's more popular. This happens gradually. Then they compete in the mating and dating games, in careers or in the number of online likes. They stop playing together nicely. Rousseau was right, I believe, when he expressed the idea that humans are born free, but everywhere they're in chains. One person thinks they can rule over others, but that person remains the greatest slave. A person's natural right, says Rousseau, is liberty, but then we grow to become slave to the idea of dominating others, being more popular, more influential, climbing social hierarchies. At any time, however, we could choose to value people as people, to accept, build bridges, connect with common ground, dare to be different, and enter an expectation-free zone. We're all children at heart, wanting to play with each other and get on well, but we get too serious about life, achievements, asserting ourselves and getting ahead. If we valued people before productivity, we could have it all. We would at least have each other. This final chapter takes the five steps and applies them to the real-world situation of needing to handle and negotiate the diverse people around you, members of your family in particular, but also friends and acquaintances. People in greater society are largely beyond your control. We consider how to apply the five steps to bolster your aim of getting along with people who are close to you. Diversity Difference the only area of diversity difference I've detailed in this book is cultural difference, according to the theories of Hall, Hofstede and Trompenar. Over the coming decades, there will grow a body of knowledge regarding other diversity groups. I expect no one to memorise how this the Ethiopians are, or how that the South Koreans are, or how this the Brazilians are, or how that the Maltese, Navajo Indians or Micronesians are. It would be unwieldy, impossible and counterproductive. We'll only get it wrong, as each cultural group is dynamic and ever-changing. 
What about other diversity groups? Aside from the world's hundreds and hundreds of ethnic and cultural minorities, how are we to negotiate lesbian, Shiite, gay, Pentecostal, left-wing, bisexual, right-wing, Sunni, Quaker, transgender, queer, Plymouth Brethren, Sufi, New Wave feminist, Marxist feminist, octogenarians, mainstream feminists, questioning, Catholic, divorced, political centrist, orthodox Jewish, reform Jewish, intersex, Baptist, baby boomers, married, atheist, new atheist, reformed atheist, generation X, Anabaptist, Gen Y, asexual, Gen Z, widowed, Methodist, Russian Orthodox, millennial, messianic Jew, polyamorous, straight heterosexual, Lutheran, pansexual, Seventh-day Adventist, Mormon, married, radical feminist, celibate, Hindu, Buddhist, and all the diverse range of physical ability and mental health related groups, as well as the many emerging groups and subgroups that defy categorization. Then comes the complexity of the many individuals who straddle several of these groups and groups traditionally thought to be in conflict or mutually exclusive. Transgender Republicans, homosexual Buddhist, feminist Muslims, pro-life Democrats and atheist Christians and the complexities of the many individuals who defy accepted categorization. There is a way through this. Categorize all people as people, members of the human race. This is not idealism, this is scientific fact. Take home message. We become inclusive when we identify as people, members of the human race. It will help to have head knowledge about diversity groups to help negotiate relationships with people who identify with those groups, but knowledge in this area is relatively fragile, nascent, inaccurate, incomplete, and open to interpretation, revisions, and change. Any information can be weaponized rather than used for peaceful communication. If you think you know about someone's group identity, you may make false assumptions by relying on that knowledge. Individuals may disagree with the prevailing knowledge about any group with which they identify. It is far easier to make a connection with a person as a person and engage with them knowing that they are the most reliable source of knowledge about themselves. People tend to react well to heartfelt goodwill, compassion, kindness, empathy, gentility, friendliness, courtesy, respect and acceptance. Not always, but mostly. It's not all about being nice. It's about aiming to make a real connection as fellow human beings. Take home message, be a genuine person. To help achieve this, I'll look at interactions with friends and interactions with family members. People interactions with members of your family who identify with a diverse minority group, which you find problematic, can be tricky. They're so close to you and their decisions affect you deeply. People interactions with friends who identify as part of a minority group, relatively speaking, are easier. So we'll start there. People interactions with diverse friends. If you have a friend who identifies with a minority group, different to the kind of people you would usually mix with, congratulations. You're doing well and you are very fortunate. You'll already have experienced that with a real friend. It doesn't matter about their identity or your identity group. It matters that they are a person and a friend. The two of you may even feel a little pity for others who are less open-minded. You'll already have experienced that with a friend you can disagree over ideologies and how to do life and still be friends. You'll already understand more about how different the two of you can be and that it's okay. That's part of the friendship. 
you already understand how we can respect each other's beliefs, how things can be touchy at times, how some areas of conflict need to be accepted rather than confronted, how sometimes it's better not to let sleeping dogs lie, how sometimes you need to honestly say how you feel, and how sometimes you need to make a stand, but other times you need to let things go. Now that's an important mouthful, so let's create a list we can digest. If you have a friend from a different identity group, you will have experienced that you are doing well and you are fortunate. It doesn't matter about group identities, but friendship matters. You value your open-mindedness. You can disagree over ideologies and still be friends. Difference is okay. You can respect each other's beliefs. Things can be touchy sometimes. Some areas of conflict need to be accepted rather than confronted. Sometimes it's better to let sleeping dogs lie. Sometimes you need to honestly say how you feel. Sometimes you need to make a stand. Sometimes you need to let things go. Realising these things and living them out becomes part of the challenges and rewards of friendship. Friends can also be rivals or competitors. Sporting rivals like tennis players or motor car racers can be best of friends because they understand each other and help to sharpen each other's saw. Politicians from opposing sides of politics can be great friends for the same reasons. They understand each other, have so much in common, have similar lifestyles, and have few other friends who really understand and accept them. What is a friendship? A friendship is a form of affection, of love. It usually has a foundation of common ground or a shared understanding or experience. It is able to overlook a host of thorny differences. A friendship is flexible. It can be close, but it can also be distant if there's too much disagreement and it can end without too much damage to each individual's life. Not that we want it to, but it does happen. A friendship allows freedom. Family members and colleagues can't be chosen. Sometimes a love partnership can feel like a prison sentence, and strangers are only a small piece of greater society that you can't influence, so why bother? Friendship is a chosen relationship. It has freedom as its basis. It's this freedom that makes it an ideal model for handling diversity with anyone. The following features I believe characterize a good friendship. Freedom, mutually valuing the relationship, some common ground, mutual respect, and relatively low expectations. These five features make friendship a more easygoing relationship than love partnerships, relationship with parents, children, siblings, cousins or colleagues with whom we're forced to work, or with outright strangers. Let's go through these five friendship features. Freedom. With a friend, it's relatively easy to let them be themselves, to accept them as they are. You don't feel too much of the need to change them or expect them to be anyone except themselves. Both of you are free to work on developing the friendship, slow down contact or drop the friendship altogether. This freedom makes it a relatively easygoing, uncomplicated relationship. Mutually valuing the relationship. To maintain a friendship, both parties must engage to show they value the relationship, meet, do things together and phone or leave messages. There may be some feeling out as to how frequently to engage or how deeply to engage in conversation. This is part of the mutual valuing. Mutually valuing of the friendship is felt and appreciated by both parties. It's central to the friendship's survival. Common ground. How did the friendship start? Usually with common ground, common interests or common experiences that threw you together out of a sea of strangers. 
you may reflect each other somehow, similar personalities, cultures or values. Common ground is the glue, the foundation from which you can safely enter areas of disagreement without losing the friendship. Some friendships are fragile. One wrong word and it's gone. Others are hardy. Say what you like, I'll still be there for you. Like attracts like. The more common ground, the more solid the friendship. Mutual respect. Negotiating difference takes respect from both sides of a friendship. This can be the challenging aspect in a friendship of diversity. If both are able to afford respect, to freely allow the others to be themselves while still being a friend, the friendship flourishes. At times, however, respect will be tested, when one person challenges too many of the other's values. Relatively low expectations. We may have high expectations of our love partner to fulfil many of our needs, sexual, emotional, social, intellectual, understanding and more. We may have relatively high expectations of family, to be supportive, faithful, caring, understanding. But we have relatively relaxed expectations of our friends. As friends become closer, expectations rise. One of the reasons that friendships are easygoing is that expectations are relatively low. These five factors of friendships correspond to the A, B, C, D, E five steps to negotiating diversity from last chapter. Freedom is accept and applaud difference. Mutual valuing is build bridges. Common ground is connect with common ground. Mutual respect is dare to be different. Though expectations is enter the expectation-free zone. Accept. That freedom corresponds to accepting is almost self-evident and being able to applaud someone's diverse identity grows from the freedom of acceptance. In freedom, you accept them just as they are. If you can't, the friendship becomes distant or it ends. Inherently, other relationships are not as accepting. You can have a gay, lesbian, born-again Christian, Shiite or Marxist feminist friend and you can feel proud of the relationship and your open-mindedness in your acceptance of diversity. But... If your parent, child or sibling decides to become gay, lesbian, born-again, Christian, Shiite or Marxist feminist, and this runs contrary to your accepted values, it becomes harder to accept. You will feel challenged. With a family member, it's more difficult to accept and applaud difference. This is not because you don't like the group, but because that particular person is tied to you closely. Family members impact your own identity. When your love partner announces that they are now gay, straight, lesbian, born-again Christian, Shiite or Marxist feminist, it can trigger a crisis in you. Again, not because you disdain the group, but because someone so close to you has made a change that will have a lasting consequence on your life. A change in someone so close to you can shock you to the core. I've dealt with this situation as a clinician in my office. One of the aims is to afford the other the freedom, mutual valuing, mutual respect and lowered expectations while still retaining the common ground. This helps to be able to continue or redefine the relationship. Okay, so just want to pause there. So when it's a really close relationship and they change... Are we so confronted because it's a challenge to our own values or beliefs? Is that what you're saying? That's actually a good way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, We actually identify who we are partly through the other people around us. So if somebody really close to us goes through a really huge change, Mm. we're going to start questioning ourselves. Uh, Again, not because we don't like the group, but because it impacts us as people to the core of our identity. Okay. 
build bridges. To mutually value a relationship, you'll need to build a bridge to that person. We'll go out of our way to build a bridge in friendships if we value that friendship, yet with family members, we won't make the effort because we take them for granted or are involved in power struggles with them. Common ground. Common ground self-evidently corresponds to connecting with common ground. It is the glue, the shared stuff on which friendship leans. It is the foundation. All relationships benefit greatly from common ground. Dare to be different. Mutual respect is needed in a friendship whenever one person dares to be different. They want to be different, but still be accepted enough to retain the friendship. This takes mutual respect. Respect is often lacking in close family relationships because there's so much familiarity and often rivalry or a craving for acceptance. Expectation-free. Lowered expectation self-evidently corresponds to entering more of the expectation-free zone. In family relationships and in love partnerships, expectations tend to be high. Through this, it can be appreciated that friendship becomes the model relationship to handling diversity. Use friendship and the ABCDE of freedom, acceptance, mutual valuing, building bridges, common ground connection, daring to be different, mutual respect, and entering into lower expectations as a model to interact with any other relationship involving diversity, particularly with family members. Negotiating diversity in families tends to be most problematic. They will need special consideration. Okay, pause for a minute here. Okay, so are you saying that if a family member announced that they were now whatever, okay, and you were getting upset or challenged by it, would it be a good idea to take a moment and say, take a deep breath now? How would I treat this announcement if it were my friend, not my sister? That would be wonderful. It's just very difficult yeah. to do <laughs> because particularly in that moment, if somebody announced something, it's a emotionally charged moment. So you're not going to be reflecting on this and so, okay, so what did Dr. Heim say in that book? <laughs> what a great idea. That's not how it's going to go. But afterwards, when you think about it, your relationship with that person will have to grow. And the idea is that it grows in the direction of a friendship. Yeah, but that's such a big moment, isn't it? Because that person has just got the courage. They've just built up to be able to say this to you and they're, they're waiting for your reactions. Yes, and it's such a big moment because they're family members, because they're so close, which means that they're waiting to see that how you will interpret this and how you will respond. So we're just getting into this because the last podcast will be on handling diversity in family members because this is the most difficult but it's the most important because these are people who are actually going to be family members for us for a lifetime. So handling diversity in them is going to be very, very important. People interactions with diverse family members. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. This phrase is often said in disdain and with a sense of frustration. Because of the natural kinship bond, you will be in lifelong relationship with family members if you're friendly towards them or not. Self-evidently, it is best to be in friendly relationship with them if possible. Friends may come and go. Friends may be there for a season or a reason. But even if you haven't spoken with them for decades, a sibling, parent or child remains your sibling, parent or child. The relationship, good or poor, will remain a lifelong issue. Family members affect you. Your father's opinions, your mother's support, your children's loyalty, your siblings' decisions, particularly their choice of love partner. 
This will have a lasting impact on you if you like it or not. You'll feel affected by their political views, forays into religious ideas and expressions of sexuality and gender, particularly if they choose to be particularly vocal and enthusiastic about their choices. They care for you. You care for them. Your opinion matters. Their opinion matters. They identify strongly with you. They're close kin. You identify strongly with them for the same reason. They may try to get you to see the world from their point of view. They may crave your approval as you do theirs. Why? Ultimately, because they want your approval, because they love you. You matter to them. You want their approval because you love them. They matter to you. I acknowledge there may be exceptions to the generalization I'm making here. The pressure you may feel coming from them is born of love. They care for you and your opinion matters. Having a family member who has newly decided to become strongly aware of social justice issues, strongly Baptist or Buddhist, strongly aware of their gender fluidity, strongly capitalist or strong into climate change skepticism or flat earth theorizing can make for a challenging Thanksgiving. Why? Because they love you and want to share their true selves with you. Take home message. Intense family conflict is born of love and the need for acceptance. On the other hand, if one of your family members gets diagnosed with schizophrenia or a rare connection tissue disorder which impinges on their abilities or are confined to a wheelchair after a serious accident, you may find yourself with a newly gained sensitivity for access issues for people who are wheelchair bound or people whose illnesses preclude them holding down employment without specific consideration. You may even find yourself advocating for their cause. Why? Because you are family. Just as you are impacted by family members' strongly held political, religious and social views, you're just as strongly impacted by a family member's hardship. You and your family are connected by kinship ties, by belonging together and identifying with each other, by love. The aim in handling these difficult situations is not to have an intellectual debate on who's right and who's wrong that will only reinforce the differences and lead to arguments and alienation. The aim is to affirm the love of the family tie and to reach understanding and acceptance. Take-home message, in family diversity, debates divide, understanding unites. And we're going to pause there for today as we're keen to put all the practicals of approaching this very thorny subject into one last episode. Thanks for joining us and take care. Looking forward to your company next time.